Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991. From the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between, we will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Brain Twisters. Twisters, Dr. Rothman, played by Terry Laundrie, is a college professor who uses his students as test subjects for scientific experiments. Their heads are hooked up to an unusual device that puts them into a trance. However, there is one slight side effect. The kids are starting to kill each other. Screenplay by Jerry Sangiuliano, directed by Jerry Sangiuliano, and released on October 12, 1991. So I know neither of us have seen this. I'm assuming you have not heard of this movie before either. No. No. Uh, This is one of those movies that we are watching because we just happened to have a copy as part of a DVD compilation. I think it's been part of a couple different ones. Um, Otherwise, it's only available on VHS. So it's not widely out there. Um, I, I couldn't even find it on some of the services that tell you where to stream stuff it wasn't even listed in their database that's how like unknown this kind of is so it seems like the type of thing that would be perfect for usa up all night i mean it's it's kind of boring i don't know well yeah i mean besides that but i mean like in terms of like the subject matter yeah but the usf usa up all night movies are at least um I don't know. <laughs> Not slow paced and sometimes. I mean, uh, I think some I'm of the pacing could have been helped by USA Up All Night and having like commercial breaks and yeah, where interstitials. They, yeah, where they you have either the host or whoever the guest would be doing some sort of experiments on each other. Yeah, I get mm-hmm. it. It was just like, I didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> I know. I, I even yeah. Even by the end, I have no clue what actually was happening in this. So that's that's the big downside. But I think the other thing that makes it kind of perfect for TV is that it seems to be largely self-edited, because this is very tame in terms of I don't know what to call it. Sci-fi horror, I guess. Yeah, I see. I see it on. IMDb is a drama horror sci-fi <laughs> so and then when I even went on like Rotten Tomatoes there are no reviews on this like no one like oh, this doesn't gotta, even exist you gotta make an account uh, and, 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 and then <laughs> throw a tomato at it yeah or a splat a splat <laughs> what's the little yeah, green I splat what, I don't know what they call the rotten <laughs> yeah um yeah. I mean, it's not a good movie. I'm just saying it, it's the type of movie that you would probably see on USA Up All Night. But, yeah. I mean, if it's trying to be a horror movie, it really fails in 
the gore aspect. There's not a huge body count. Um, you have like a head in a jar, but that's about like the creepiest thing that you have going for it. And in terms of the sci-fi stuff, you have people looking at monitors and, you know, they try to make it look like Tron or something where people are just staring at computer graphics and yeah, and then noises in something. And then that's and then yeah, like the synth soundtrack. I guess I will say the synth soundtrack I is good. I yes. was into it. Yes, the music is really good in this. Once a, like shitty movie, but good soundtrack. Kind of like how Millions had yeah. really good music. Yeah, I think there's been a couple others as well. But in terms of like production value, I also thought that this was a lot higher than I expected it to be. I would say this is probably better than something like uh, Terror Within 2 in terms of just the look of it. Oh, uh, yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I would just like put it on the same. I don't know. I mean, the sets didn't look super cheesy. I mean, even like the Unborn, okay. you know, like those yeah, lab parts were kind of Those are just like whatever. Mo- I guess because there's no monsters or whatever in this. Yeah, it's they just... didn't have to use their budget on a creature. So, that's why it looks better, I guess. Yeah, maybe. But it's, like, the killing scenes were whatever. I don't know how to explain yeah. it. Yeah, I, um, it's I tough to explain this the... movie because we don't know what actually happened in this movie. I feel like this movie is one of those PSAs for parents to be like, TVs and video games are rotting your children's minds type of thing. I guess that's what they're trying to do, but... If if that is the point, then that was only explained at the very last yeah, the shot very of the end. movie. The rest of the movie, it's this guy, Dr. Rothman, who is conducting some sort of a experiment or, you know, getting people to go into this chamber where they put nodes on their head and then they just stare at these bleep bloops. And, you know, it sort of seems like a sensory deprivation chamber, but with a bunch of TVs showing shapes and colors. But you don't really know what the hell is going on, and we know that Dr. Rothman is behold, uh, beholden, beheld <laughs> to uh-huh. a corporate overlord type yeah. of scenario. Um, yeah, he reports to like this software company. But that's all we really know in terms of that connection, and it's I don't know what the fucking machine does. Like even after watching the movie, it seemed like at one point because he uses it himself. Yeah, he's used it himself, and... But he's, he, like, a, a low dose? Because, I mean, this goes all the way until the end. There is a girl that goes in it, and it's like, she puts it to 100%. Of, of, of uh, what was it? Pleasure? That no, wasn't pleasure. Stimulation. Yeah. 100% stimulation. So, I don't know if he was like, doing, like... What does that mean? 10 to 20% stimulation on himself, like, doing some sort of micro dosing of this like i don't but like what this is is never 
explain. Yeah, we don't... Not even to a small degree. It's just I don't, like... Like, why... I want to know why was he doing this? It was... Did the software company make him do this? Or did he go to the software company and invent this thing? And he was like, hey, I invented some sort of video game, whatever. But is it? I don't know. I that's mean, a, at the, the end. Thing. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, it's, it's like, it. we don't know at all what, what the it purpose is. is. <laughs> we don't know what it's supposed to be doing. The only thing not I can think of. Not until the very end. But where... not even then, I don't know what it means. Like, okay. So, Michelle, <laughs> there's, a, there's several different women in this thing. Most yeah. of them, I think like half of them end up dead. Uh, Michelle is the slutty one that never goes to class. And she, like, hangs out with, like, the cool kids and the fancy sports cars. And she's flunking the te- She's flunking the professor's class. And so she goes to his home at night and says that she wants help on her paper. And this... Okay, first off, Dr. Rothman's, like, a super creepy guy. We'll get into that later. But instead, like, he's basically saying, like, all right, instead of doing the paper, you can get credit in my class by being part of this experiment. Mm-hmm. They show her getting into the machine and, like, being inundated by these sounds and and images. And then the very next shot, we see Yvonne, another woman, who had previously been in the bleep loop machine, at the pool with Lori, the main character of the movie. So that made me think that this... Like, it's connected? It connects them, and so that, like, Michelle is inside Yvonne's head? Because Yvonne looked very disoriented and out of things. It made it seem as... It made me seem like... Whenever they saw, like, glaring lights or something flash before them, I think... With Yvonne, she was just staring at the water, and I think the reflection of the water just made her start to, like, lull into whatever trance she was in. See, and I interpreted her looking at the reflection as being like, oh my god, I'm in Yvonne's body. Oh, I'm just thinking, like, they're seeing shapes and stuff through light fragments or whatever i don't know because obviously like everyone who's been in this machine is affected in some way by something whether it's like a chandelier or a pinball machine or something else that happens it like triggers the hypnosis response it's like a calm response thing and then they go off and like kill themselves or others but like was that the intent like what is dr rothman trying to prove he never says like what what he's trying to do with this machine, why it exists, what the experiment is, like he's, what he's hoping to get out of it. Okay, when we can go back. So in the very beginning, like Lori and her friends, I think it was Frank or Ted. I can't remember. Um, Frank is the police guy. Oh, so, Frank is the police guy. Okay. So Ted and Denise were... Yeah, okay, Ted yeah. and Denise. So in the beginning, it's like she's going to hang out with Ted and Denise. They're a couple, Ted and Denise. <laughs> and Ted looks up at the sun. Like the glare in his sun like yeah. causes something. And he kind of like collapses a little. And Lori and Denise are like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. But Ted 
goes to Denise's house and he kills her. Sort of. But, I mean, that's, like, hours later. Right. I don't know. Because it's nighttime. And, like, we don't know for sure that Ted is the one who kills her either. Because all of the killing is done as, like, a POV thing. I mean, you see Yvonne killing her boyfriend. Yeah. (laughs) But that doesn't mean anything either, because we see Ted just jump out the window. And they talk off screen about how other people killed themselves instead. So, like... Okay, so it's like either kill... Just kill something or yourself. I don't know. (laughs) But, like, this whole thing, like, it was probably Ted, but they only show a POV, and they never go back to explain, like, what this machine does to help us understand and like is there yeah, a body swapping to, like, thing break happening it down and, and like it was ted but somebody was controlling ted that, that's know. what i'm like I, I think the doc dr philip rothman he's i think he wanted these kids to die because he takes ted's head once ted jumps out the window to like study it i think that's he wants to study the teens or early college kids brains to see like what the effects of whatever they're doing on i disagree that he wants them dead okay well then why did he take his head because Because... he's a scientist um one of the major flaws of this movie is that they make dr Rothman this extremely creepy unlikable guy um who seems like he is the puppet master who is in charge of this and that he is trying to get kids to kill themselves what starts to happen near the end like when he goes to the club or whatever and starts to have his little mental breakdown is he realizes that oh my machine is causing problems and he calls that company remember they have that Mm. scene where like he's confronting the people and they're having like this midnight board meeting or something and um he's basically saying like you didn't tell me that this was going to happen you didn't tell me that kids were killing themselves or whatever so okay. like he's he's against it. There's some sort of like good purpose that he has okay. in his mind, okay. but all of his other actions in this movie is just pure creepy psycho. Okay, I thought he was a part of it somehow. No, it's, it's meant to be like a red herring. I think it's meant to okay. be like a you know throw you off the scent because he's just an asshole creep. Um, and then yeah, okay, so he doesn't okay th- with the kids the teens or the early like the college kids are dying he doesn't realize that these kids are dying because of the experiment that he made them do right or they he thinks up it's to pure coincidence like, some weird okay but the way he interacts but with he the students takes ted's head anyways to study, to study. it yeah but but he's a neuroscience scientist right so but that's th- why i guess i wanted to know when he took Ted's head and he said he was going to study it, but then we didn't see, like, a result. No. I wanted to see a part in the movie of him actually studying the head and, like, finding something. No, we don't get any of that fun but, stuff. Yeah, but that's what I wanted. <laughs> I was like, because, yeah. I yeah. mean, why show all his of, head in a jar? Yeah, all of the science in this movie about science is not is shown missing it is completely ignored yes and instead we get this pseudo horror movie where somebody might die i guess and maybe there's something cool happening behind the scenes but we don't know 
and we get a bunch of weird relationship stuff between Lori and the professor the, and, and Lori the and the cop. Um, and yeah, it's really confusing because nothing gets explained. And then like Michelle, who becomes like the central character because she's, you know, in this experiment and whatever, she just kind of disappears for like a third of the movie. And then all of a sudden comes back near the end to do like her little rampage thing. Mm. Um, and so like, what happened to her? You know, like there, there's terrible yeah. pacing and progression problems in this thing. So we, I mean, we haven't really talked about Lori all that much. She's really just like the eyes of this. She's like um, the the final girl. Yeah, but she's yeah. Her character is very similar to like Nine Seven Six Evil Two. Okay. Yeah. You know where she's like you know involved in it. She's like a central character, and people are around her i don't know uh, i just got that vibe from her um but i don't know like it's i don't know why she's there other than just to be around everyone who i mean all her friends are well she works for dr rothman just like his some assistant. in some way in some i guess we don't get to see that either she's just like random in, filing or i don't even know in one scene she's offered the job and then like another every other scene is like well i can't talk to you about what i do for him i'm not comfortable talking to you about what i do for him but she's defending okay. him because she's like he's a very knowledgeable person and she's always like defending him somehow yeah even though he's creepy to everyone yeah he stares and gives this weird smile. That's why I thought he was um, on it like right. the that's, whole time. That's sort of like what we're meant to think. Sort of like how there's that always a janitor type. And there is a janitor in this one as well who's like watching Yvonne and watching Lori and all these other people. He's like just looking at them, staring at them and kind of like in the background. In a creepy way, but and so like turns out that he's like undercover. He's undercover for this corporation and ends up killing uh dr rothman mm. um so he is kind of there but you know yeah but dr rothman's like a, a red herring type of a behavior i will say that i think it was kind of fun to watch him become a little bit more unhinged in the dance floor scene i, mean, I think i just i like that club. part because the song that was playing was entertaining yeah and then basically like just in the middle of this dance club and just like looking and staring at all the people and then he goes up and whispers something that we can't hear it into a woman's ear and a bouncer comes to like get him you know get, get him, him to away. leave and he just bashes this bottle and just keeps on grinning like he has been so like that's where it becomes kind of fun and like when he's asking Lori to pick a flavor of ice cream and, you know, yeah. he's like, come on, like, you know, vanilla, raspberry. that's so boring. Yeah. How about raspberry twirl? Yeah, the way he... I don't know. Speaks, it just kind of got fun that time. The way he speaks is very monotone, and that's why I, I was like, is that the actor being, like, he's dead? probably he's, <laughs> Deadpanned? He was probably told to be, like, be evil scientist, and, like, that's what he was... Okay. trying to do i don't know okay um but i don't know it, the relationship whatever that was between dr rothman and laurie was a little bit more interesting just because they are oddball character uh, or or he is an oddball character laurie is very much a, just a straight woman who's there trying to process everything that we're seeing along with us and 
none of us have a clue what's going on. And then she's involved with Frank Turry, the, the lead detective. And boy, is that relationship stupid. There's a lot of things that don't make sense in this movie that we've already talked about. But at what point, you know, she's like the central witness, even though she didn't witness anything, um, to Denise's murder. Because yeah, she just came to her friend's house she came to and her saw house. Denise hanging. And Denise never locks her door, and so she went in and found it. So Frank wants to talk to Denise's boyfriend, Ted. And so they go to the restaurant, and they, like, go and sit down at a table and are waiting for him to appear. Like, they just didn't... Like, as if it's, like, like meant Lori's to be Like, Lori's friends with him. Why can't she be like, hey, Ted, where are you? Yeah, or, or just go up to the front desk and be like, hey, is Ted working today? Can we Can, can we, we talk speak to him? to him for not... But instead they, like, get go a to table the restaurant and then, and then order, like, order coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and wait for him to come out of the kitchen and be like, oh, there he is. And then later on, Frank offers to make dinner at Lori's place to talk about the case some more. Yeah. And at this point, Frank is off the case because of the typical shit that you see in virtually every movie. The feds are involved, so you gotta drop it, Frank. You gotta drop it. But Frank doesn't drop it because it's every typical cop movie. And so he goes and does some covert uh, detective work at Lori's place by asking her some more questions, but first making pasta. And then it becomes like this weird, I, I'm just not digging the flirting. And the phones are tapped, there's cameras in Lori's place that are, we think possibly from the feds, but no, it's not the feds. It's the corporation. Mm-hmm. When I, I don't remember the, the name of the corporation. software company, I have no idea. They say it a few times, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, but, okay, so... Frank makes what looks like to me like a fettuccine Alfredo type of deal. It just looked like oiled noodles to me. It didn't look like oh, there's a okay. sauce. Well, I just I thought it was <laughs> yeah. like white sauce, but sh- Lori calls it macaroni. Yeah, it's clearly at least spaghetti, if, if not something else. <laughs> uh, the, just, like, I was getting I'm sorry mad. I threw macaroni at you. Yeah. You're a college student. You should know what macaroni is. I don't know, but it it turns well. Anyway, but they're sitting down and talking, but she gets triggered some because she has done the experiment. We find out, even though we don't see her do that in the movie, but right, um, something triggers her in her apartment where she takes like a knife and she's about to kill Frank, but she like overcomes it somehow and starts. They do this weird make out. Yeah, that she's... was very awkward and Maybe this is why it reminds me of 976 Evil. Is because what? she's watching like a monster movie on oh, TV. Okay. And then like the feed turns into these patterns and shapes oh, okay. and whatever. That, well, you know, the, the company who's tapping her house, I guess, is like just pushed into her TV or okay, something. Okay, like so that. they're like, we know that she took this experiment and we're going to... Yeah, like now we're going to do the Manchurian candidate like call signal on her. Yes. Yeah. Because they know that Frank is at her house. So they're like, okay, let's have her kill Frank because we don't want any cops coming after us or anything. Yeah. But she some, somehow comes over it. Yeah, he breaks a plate or something and I guess the sound of that broke her out of it. I don't know. But then it was like a weird 
juxtaposition of her about to stab him and then turning into a makeout that was so awkward and then her apologizing for it too like, she's I'm like not like this I'm yeah not she's this like oh i usually don't like do this but then he, now he's coming on to her and he was like no let's continue and i was like Ugh. well yeah i mean obviously he was like flirting with her the entire time as much as you can tell with the the deadpan acting of frank turry um the acting in this is largely very I mean, Lori was fine. She She's the one who had, like, a professional acting career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of all the people in this movie, yeah, she's she's gone on to do other things. It's... Well, yeah. <sighs> um, once we get to cast and crew, there's, like, three people I have to mention, because most people, this is their only movie. Yeah. Uh, and Lori's the, the main attraction of that. So... It's just such a weird situation, and I the age gap is very noticeable because this guy is definitely at least mid forties. She's and she's college, college age. What I don't even know, eighteen to twenty. Yeah, probably early twenties. We'll say. Um. Yeah, it's it's off putting. So, but I mean, there's other stuff too that you know. There's a bunch of different scenes in here where, um, there's a scene at the car wash where. The car Yvonne, wash turns yeah. to blood, and Yvonne like runs away. And I thought this again was Yvonne in Michelle's, or Michelle and Yvonne's body, or something like that. And there's like but there's how? so many weird characters. Well, just because it was the scene right after the pool. Oh, okay. Um. um well, that and okay. Like Norm, well, that scene... the weird like Doug like character, you know, Doug Ooh. from the state. Norm, the bu- the boyfriend of Yvonne. Okay. Like he looks like. The character oh. Doug from the state sketches. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of acts that way. He kind of acts like that too. And, and so, for some reason, like, they all just go to a car wash together? Right. Well, they all go... The boyfriend comes by, and Yvonne and Lori were swimming. And he's like, you guys want to go get something to eat? They do, but then he's I like, let me... camera. Yeah. Because they're see eating them while they're fries. in the car wash. Yeah, they're, like, eating fries <laughs> and whatever in the car. And I was like, okay... I mean, but they have to show this scene for her to freak out. But, yeah, the the car wash is freaking her out. Because the water's turning to blood in her mind. Yeah. No one else can see it, but she... She can. escapes. She runs out of the car while the car is getting washed still in the car wash. And she is not wet at all. No. And the car is, like, super dry, like, immediately, too. She's not usually... I didn't see any blow dryers at the end of that tunnel. No, I was um, like, she should have had, like, soap and whatever the hell right. all over her body. And, but at and least she ran and she didn't kill him at that point. So again, Yeah, like, she ran, the and then that like, was that kind of, like, the happen? end of that scene. Because Lori and... I forgot the boyfriend's name already. Norm. Oh, Norm. Uh, they just look at each other like, what the fuck? And that was, like, the end of that scene. But then, like, almost immediately after, there's a costume party. Everyone's the same wearing, night, yeah. Everyone's wearing a costume that involves some sort of a mask, except for Yvonne, I guess. Well, because she's She's, like, upstairs. upstairs taking a bubble bath during this massive house party. Like, she's, like... what the fuck is this... 
movie? <laughs> Why are these situations there? I'm assuming it's Halloween. <laughs> and then like bubbles. Like... Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, she's was... taking a bubble bath. And, and then she's the bubbles staring... trigger her as well? She's staring at the bubbles and they're like the way that they're bubbling and like reflecting in the light. And she, she hears a baby cry in them. Right. It's like, all right. And then that's what causes her to go downstairs and slash the throat of Norm and his friend with some dull-ass house scissors. Right! Because <laughs> I was like, there's no way he would have died from <laughs> Yeah, from the deaths that. do not make a whole lot of sense. The very first one makes sense yeah. because it's a guy in a car who runs into a jogger that we don't know. Um, and then Denise even getting hung with a simple bathroom towel doesn't make sense. Yeah, did t- what did Ted do? Like how did how did that work? I mean, like, she didn't. Yeah. Uh, and then Ted, unless he knocked her out and then <laughs> lifted her up. To Ted the, jumping out of the second floor window that that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but near the end, when Michelle scratches somebody to death with her press on nails, uh, nope. That does not make sense. <laughs> yeah, so, scratching someone, like, digging her nails into someone's neck until and, they die. I would have liked it if she, like, digged her nails into someone's eye sockets or something. Yeah. But I, I they think clearly they clearly did not have a lot of budget for this thing. Like, yeah, the, yeah. the head in the jar was the biggest the budget. <laughs> effect that they had. The rest of it, I mean, it really just looked like a little bit of red paint on a person's neck. Um... It, the gore is like non-existent in this and it, it needs something to really improve its chances and its reach right, and so it's very toned down software company knows that this is happening and they want it to happen like they want to so. they want to start chaos they want and they're they want kids to kill other people and maybe themselves for I guess. some reason. Yeah, we don't know why. It well, doesn't make a lot of sense. The other thing that I thought was funny was when Dr. Rothman was freaking out at that club. He runs to like a payphone in the club. Like, it's really loud. Yeah. And he calls the the software guy. And I'm like, and there's like a long oval t- table of like 15 people around this I don't know, meeting room. And I was like, it was just hilarious to me that these people are meeting at what, like 1030 at night and no one is, they're just sitting there not doing or saying anything. The only one that's like doing the talking is the, the head guy. Yeah. I just thought that was hilarious. It was the way such they a all sat situation. there yeah. kind the- of like staring off. And I was like, are those people under the thing too? Like, I don't even know. I wish I knew. I, I, I don't even fully remember how it all happens, but Michelle ends up killing the CEO guy as well. Yeah, well, she... The, he, the CEO guy is kind of, like, in this car, and he's having his driver um, come to the school. This is near the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, this is, like, the very end. Where he's like, okay, get... He, I think he just wants Dr. Rothman... Yeah, but Dr. He Rothman has just been killed by the janitor. Right, who's working for the right. software company. But he's now just sitting in the car, and I think he goes... 
he somehow gets out, but then when he comes back into the car, Michelle's in the car, and she, like, sneaks up from the back seat or something and, like, grabs mm-hmm. him. But that's, like, the end of the movie. Yeah, that's basically the exact, you know, the last scene to show that I guess this is done, and, like, the the, the good guys won somehow, but at the same time, no, because you got this little bratty-ass kid Yeah, it... uh, in the next shot who's completely unrelated to the rest of the movie in terms of, like, characters. Um, playing some video game sort of playing a video game it's really just like this loop of generic 80s graphics right and then the mom is like calling to him to come down and he's show how angry he is at his mom like just a minute mom yeah and then uh, slow zoom on brain twisters the video game that he's playing which I guess is what they to wanted to make all the along. thesis of the movie or something. Right. Uh, I mean, because if you're trying to say that video games are bad, the rest of the movie doesn't indicate that that's the real problem at all. And also, it's saying that corporations who make the video games they're are the bad ones, the not bad the guys. games themselves. Is that they're possibly tainting the youth with uh, subliminal messaging. Mm-hmm. Is is the possible thing, and so you know, ignore all media. That's why I'm like, is this like media. a PSA for parents to be like, don't let your kids play video games or something. I guess. I mean, like when they're in those machines, they're not playing anything; they're just staring. They're at just staring. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to make that connection if that's what they're really trying to say. I don't know. All I can say, like the music is good, and the film actually looks surprisingly nice for what it is. Like it, it's decent cinematography decent you know set design locations all that kind of stuff but it needed to go farther with the horror it needed to go farther with something and it needed to explain a little bit about what the fuck was supposed to be happening other than that perfect movie i don't know and there's a dog there's a dog we didn't talk about the dog um depressor has a husky and it that's that's the star of the show i don't know what the actual like character name is of the dog but the actor dog was named Cochise yeah but I don't, I don't even the... think he gave him a name I think no, he it was literally said a few times but I couldn't understand oh I thought it. he literally just said dog no, <laughs> like no. dog come here no he's he said something but okay you know, the, the DVD did not have any subtitle options so I don't know for right sure. um yeah the dog was smart because yeah. he realized that what what was going on and he just ran away yeah and i'm i hope he's like in a better place yeah most likely (laughs) so we can move on to uh no box office no awards apparently this movie was re-edited and there's a director's cut version that was released in 2017 somewhere with new material added i don't think that's what we saw i think the dvd compilation that we have is older than 2017 so I don't know how that was released or if it was, but that's the only little piece of trivia I could find is that that possibly exists. Uh, I don't know how much it would actually fix, but um, in terms of cast and crew, I, I hope I'm saying this name right. Jerry San Giuliano is the director and writer of this. This is his first and only feature. He did other short films, Hello, Goodbye, Deadly Moments in Stream, and then he passed away in 2018, so I guess shortly after releasing the, the director's cut thing. Um, again, most of these people are 
one and done. Even the music, like uh, if you look at the soundtrack tab on IMDb, it credits this person named George J.P. Perula as doing like most of the music, the non-score stuff. I couldn't find any other record of him at all. On the in the credits, it said music by Larry Geld. Larry Geld did the score. Okay. Who only did one other thing called Dances Sacred and Profane, um, which again is kind of surprising that you know I can't find any information about the person who did like the the songs, and I couldn't find mm. anything but one other credit for the person who did the, the score because that's some of the best parts of the movie. Even the cinematographer. Tomas Majerski did not have a whole lot of credits to his name either. Um, Michelle was played by Donna Bostony. She's been in a couple little things like Murdered in His Eye Murders, so like iPhone, iPad, Eye Murders, and then mm. also Robot in the Family. So I guess she's like really into the tech sci fi horror. <laughs> Joe Lombardo played Frank Turry. This is his last feature. <laughs> Uh, he has been in a couple other random things, such as Deadly Reactor and something called Please Don't Eat the Babies. Terry Laundrie played Dr. Philip Rothman. Um, he has not done a whole lot of work either. The only other feature I could find is a movie called The Work and the Glory from 2004. So a big gap in between projects. Acting is probably not his main profession, or at least not on the screen. And then Laurie Stevens was played by Farrah Fork. I think I'm pronouncing that right, unless it's 4K, but probably Fork. This is her debut, and she did go on to do uh, quite a few other things, like Journey to the Center of the Earth, Disclosure, the TV series Wings. Uh, she had a part in the movie Heat. Uh, she was on the TV show Dweebs with Corey Feldman and Stephen Tobolowsky, um, and then she recently passed away in 2022 from cancer. But she was like the, the standout of this movie. And, um, yeah, the best actor in it. But that's all I have for cast and crew, because it's very short. Most, almost everybody who's a one-and-done, this is it. So. I did read that, like, Farrah Fork, she... She got uh, breast implants in the late 80s, and it caused her, like, so much pain and problems that she... Yeah, she had it removed. She, she got her breast implants in 1989, and the implants ruptured and caused her health complications. And she had them removed in 1993, but she filed a lawsuit to the chemical company that made the breast implants. But I'm wondering, is that how she died? Like, did she get breast cancer, or is it just... I didn't write down the type of cancer, no. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't think it was. I mean, it was in 2022, so... So, like, been, 30 years later. Yeah, that would have been quite a long time later. But I don't think it was that. Okay. So we can move on to true crime and pop culture. Okay, so this movie was released on October 12th, 1991, which is a Saturday. And we don't get a lot of Saturday releases. No. But the other movies that were released around this time on October 18th was Dolly Dearest and Cool as Ice. Okay. And then the weekend before Brain Twisters was Suburban Commando. 
So probably yeah, a lot of people watching that instead of going to their video store and renting brain twisters. And um, this is the first and probably last um, that happened on this day. Uh-huh. I have a famous wedding where Steven Spielberg and Kate Capshaw got married on this day. Mm. And they are still married. I'm just going to talk about TV again. Mm-hmm. So on... ABC on Saturdays was Who's the Boss, Growing Pains, The Young Writers, which I know we've talked about before, and Mm -hmm. The Commish. Mm -hmm. On Fox, you had a full hour of cops, and then it was Totally Hidden Video, and then it was Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And then on NBC was The Golden Girls, the Torkelsons, Empty Nest, which is a spinoff of the Golden Girls, and then a show called Nurses, which is a spinoff of Empty Nest. Oh, I didn't know that was a spinoff of Empty Nest. I just learned this, like, today. So okay. I was today today years old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I was like, I don't think we talked about this because I don't remember talking about a spinoff of a spinoff before. But Nurses um, aired or first aired on September 14th, 1991, and it lasted three seasons, so it ended in May of 1994. And it was the main character in Empty Nest. It was about, because he was a doctor, so it was about his life as a doctor with the nurses in this Miami hospital. Okay. And I'm just going to read a couple of things because David Rash was in it, but he didn't come in until the second season. And David Rash joined the cast in the second season as character Jack Trenton, who was a slimy white collar criminal forced to perform community service at the hospital. Okay. And then in the final season, to make things... Because I guess they were trying to boost their ratings, they hired Lonnie Anderson to join the cast as a new hospital administrator. But, I mean, it ended in the third season. Yeah, it didn't quite work. I don't think I've seen a single episode of Me that. neither. I, I, I watched up in Empty Nest. I rem- yeah, I remember it, but I don't... I remember the guy, but I really don't... I know Empty Nest is like... Yes, the smarmy neighbor who also did like car commercials. Oh, like okay. All I remember is just the guy. And he had a, Marcus he had a big Flanagan. old fluffy dog. Oh, like okay. A, like St. Bernard-like dog. Okay, you probably know more than me. All I remember is <laughs> him. I thought it was him and a wife. I don't think so. So it was him alone. Yeah, I think, okay. he, I think he's a widow. Okay. All right, well, that, that was on, <laughs> that was on yeah. after Empty I think the daughter comes by sometimes. Yeah, to check that, up on him? Yeah. But, like, what else? Is it him, like, trying to date or whatever? Uh, maybe. I don't remember anymore. Okay. <laughs> but after Nurses was the show Sisters, which I know we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. That's the one with um, Susie Kurtz and Celia Ward. And then we also watched an SNL because there was an episode. Brand new SNL. 
which we rarely It's been a long see. time since we've seen one for this. I mean, the last one we saw was the one before it, which I think we probably talked about with Suburban Commando, because the one before that was the Jeff Daniels. The week before was Jeff Daniels. Suburban Commando was our most recent one with the SNL? Oh my gosh. I that think... was like a hundred episodes ago. I, th- I mean, it could be... <laughs> Yeah, it is very rare for us to have a Saturday movie. Yeah. So, and also to have one that has a new episode of SNL. Right. So, yeah, that's that's been tough for us to find. So, in this SNL, it was Kirstie Alley as the host, and the musical guest, which we did not see at all, was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. But... It's very typical for Peacock. They don't have any of the music stuff, yeah. I don't think. But Tom Petty played the song Into the Great Wide Open and another song called King's Highway. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in the beginning of Kirstie's monologue, she had, all like, her co-stars from Cheers appear in the audience and even in the band or whatever. Yeah. She just kind of, like, mentioned how she misses her friends. And then it goes into the Cheers theme song where Woody Harrelson starts singing and then George Went comes out from the band and then you have Kelsey Grammer and then Ted Danson at the end and then they kind of like commandeer her monologue because I think Ted Danson's like yeah we got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and then yeah they're talking about how easy it is to do the monologue because they've all hosted except for Kelsey before but oh yeah, Kelsey, yeah, because I was like Kelsey didn't either. Okay, so Kirstie's like, okay, I was supposed to say that or something. I thought she was like, yeah, it's like, oh, you ruined it. I was, I wanted to say, yeah, that. Like, oh, I don't. You still can. It's like, oh no, no, I don't want to. You ruined it for me. Right. But yeah, it ends like that, and then Kelsey's like, please let me host or something. Has he ever host? Did he host after that? I don't, I don't think know. so. Honestly, so he's never hosted. <laughs> I mean, maybe he has, but I, I, I just so. I just thought that was funny where he was like, "Okay, let me host." I mean, gosh, he might have. I I mean, he was on Frasier for so many years afterwards too, so I don't remember him hosting. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was funny in the well. I don't know if it was funny. It was just funny to see Kevin Nealon playing Joe Biden. Yeah, in the cold open, there's the, the Clarence Thomas open. hearings about the Anita Hill. And yeah, so, so. <laughs> they basically don't let Anita Hill say anything in the cold open, like at all. You have Ellen Cleghorn playing Anita Hill, and she basically just says thank you and like, like leaves immediately. Mm-hmm. And then um, they bring on Tim Meadows playing Clarence Thomas, and and all of the jokes are talking about like making fun of all the senators, what, like yeah. chiming in, saying yeah, like horrible of, things, making fun of the senators by insinuating that they also want to do what Clarence Thomas did and how can we do it better? Like, yeah. Oh, we want to sexually harass our employees too. Can you give us some tips? Yeah. That's sort of like that was... the direction of it. Which is an interesting direction to go, I think. Um, it's it's It was weird. Yeah. Watch. Um, it's, it's still weird considering like all of the stuff that's happening like... Now? Now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like everything is just... Never ending in politics in a way. Um, right. So that was an interesting cold open. And then, I mean, a lot of the skits were okay. I, Just, yeah, I thought it was a relatively strong episode. Yeah, it was a good. I mean, this is like the beginning of good SNL. 
I mean, that's, yeah, it, it's... With it's, the cast. It's the beginning of the resurgence of us. Of the good... We would say. Good days. Because this is, like, what I remember growing up is, like, early, early, like, early to mid-90s SNL was, like, the yeah. best. I remember virtually all these sketches right. already. Yeah, like, I remember the Italian, restaurant, the Italian restaurant where, like, all of the waiters and, like the host and whatever bus boys are all hitting on the women <laughs> yeah to like extreme degree like it starts right. off very like innocent so you know yeah unquote, the, like they like you come in the and they like do the pecs on the cheek and they're like oh that's just their you know their culture to the point where they licking kirstie ellie's face <laughs> like motorboating and coming out without pants and stuff like that so right it just really goes to different places um, and then you have a It's Pat sketch. Which, I mean, you can't do an It's Pat sketch ever anymore. Can you? I don't know. Just the whole... Like, I, okay, here's here's the thing that surprised me about this. And again, I'm not, like, the best person to comment on this. So take it with a grain of salt because I'm just a straight... Trigger white. warning. Right. <laughs> but I mean, like, it seemed like... I know that the whole joke is, what is she? Is she a man or a woman? Mm. Because that's what people really want to see. But I was kind of surprised at how respectful the people were around her. Okay. Right? Because, like, you know, they're saying, like, him, her, like, they're, like, stumbling over their words because they didn't want to get it wrong. And so then they ended up using a lot of gender-neutral language in that. And I was kind of surprised at how quasi-respectful the sketches were. Okay. Considering the time. Right. Not saying that, you know, it's the best representation, but, you know, it mm-hmm. was better than I expected it to be. We'll not, say that. Not cringy. Yeah, it wasn't as cringy. Like, you know, yeah, the, the Pat sketches could easily tend towards that character. And I still think there's problems with it because he, it's like a grotesque portrayal of a thing. Right. right. Rather than a person. And that's like the, the root of the, the problem with Pat. But... In terms of how they tried to like coax the information out of her, it seemed like it was kind of like weirdly better than I expected is the best term to put. What I didn't think was very good was the weekend update segment with Chris Rock's monologue. Oh yeah, well I I did read that was the first one of the first weekend that Kevin Nealon started his uh. Weekend updates, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Nealon is whatever. I mean, he has better times than he has worse times, but, you know, he had a lot of guests coming in to do random spots. But Chris Rock came on to do a bit about the Clarence Thomas hearings. Right. And that was a lot of... Clarence Thomas has to be right because Anita Hill's not attractive enough. And yeah, I was like... How dare you, like, not... deny Clarence Thomas this right to become something great because he's a black man and we don't get many chances and it's like that kind of thing um that was weird (laughs) that was i was like is he serious yeah i don't know but there's like so many other different ways you could approach it but instead like it goes into the whole trope of like you know of course he didn't do this because look at her yeah she's unattractive i mean that's just i hate when it gets to that point yeah and that's like the lead it's off. It's like, why joke. would anyone sexually assault her? She's ugly. Right. And like then obviously, that type of 
mentality. And then obviously like a lot it's of... It's not about like looks. It's about the asshole trying to... It's a power thing pop, too. Yeah, sometimes power. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously like a lot of jokes about Long Dong Silver because that was like a name that was in the news because of the hearings. Okay, I was like, what's going on there? <laughs> like, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> that was... Um, so one of the things that Clarence Thomas was accused of is showing or, or talking to Anita Hill about specific porn that he watched. Oh, okay. Including films that starred this guy named Long Dong Silver. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah. And so that became like a big thing. Because he is a real actor. Oh, okay, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Which Chris Rock played in the cold open. He, yeah, he played in the cold open and then mentioned again saying like the one who's coming out the best in this is long dong silver because he's having like this career resurgence and everybody's mm -hmm. talking about him and so on okay now i get it okay yeah all right and then they did like a coffee talk which, which I, I, think, I always i always like coffee talk i think I this might be the first one with linda richmond though because remember yeah, because how we talked Paul about Baldwin. Paul Baldwin? yeah in a previous episode that we watched which might have been the jeff daniels but i one. think the linda richmond stayed because it was funnier because of the whole barbara streisand thing it's it's a better character than paul baldwin right because with paul baldwin he was just like using that new york accent like please call four 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 yeah whatever. very very um downer yeah, so using yeah the Linda Richmond and then just the whole obsession over Barbara Streisand like that I remember that going on forever and then the one with Madonna isn't that the one when um, Barbara Streisand actually appeared was yeah. when Madonna was the guest yeah okay because I I remember them like passing out when she yeah because neither of them knew it was gonna happen yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like an actual surprise that happened yeah um. But yeah, I mean, this this was a not a great. It was fine. It was just. Sketch, it, but I it mean, was... it was mostly just. Um, I mean, Kirstie Alley was playing like her best friend, and then them, just obsessing over Barbara Streisand. The funny part is just having, um, her husband there, like yeah, in the corner. Yeah, Phil in Hartman is Kirstie Alley's husband. Husband in this sketch. He's like, what? I drove you here. I have to talk to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he was the funniest part of that sketch because like him chiming in he's like oh i gotta go check the meter or whatever and yeah. then she's like well i still gotta finish this show and he's like what do you want me to do drive around for an hour and she's like is that a problem <laughs> <laughs> and then after that it was just a couple of really quick things you have like this i love lucy thing which christy ellie wasn't in at all which is just like i think probably something they filmed filmed to become a filler yeah uh, it's just like a quick little joke about like um unaired episodes of i love lucy where ricky threatens to kill the president uh and then this sketch about a psycho divorced mom who gets really upset about everything. yeah that thing. was problematic i didn't really like yeah that. it wasn't that funny um there are apparently two other unaired sketches well they were aired on the original thing but not on peacock um there's a sketch called their eyes were on their breasts oh, which okay. i remember seeing back in the day like yeah it's like their eyes were literally like on their chest and so there's a whole bunch of jokes about like eyes down here or whatever mm. probably um and then there was also another sketch called look who else is talking also oh well they didn't which been... i don't remember having but i'm sure that dana carvey played the john travolta part okay <laughs> because that just seems like a, an impression that he would be doing 
So, yeah. Yeah, and that's everything I I think have. we spent more time talking about SNL than this movie. Well, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, the, the, this is pop culture. It is pop culture. Um, so we can move on to rankings and ratings, though? Yeah. All right. On your one to five star scale, where are you going to put Brain Twisters? I'm just, I'm going to give this one. I almost gave it a, a zero. I almost went. Really? Controversh. And I almost. You went off, you almost went off your scale to zero for the first time? Because I was like, I literally have no idea. Like, at least with like the other movies that I gave a one in, I knew what was going on. Like This one I, twisted your brain just too much. That it, no, but I'm going to give it a one. Right. <laughs> I almost went controversh. Alright, well, I'm not. <laughs> maybe mine is controversial in my zero to four star scale because I'm also going to give it a one. I'm not going half. I'm not going zero. Oh, I thought, like, I thought you were going to go two. No. <laughs> like, that's controversial. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't like the movie. <laughs> no, I, I was like, but what the. I mean. I didn't understand anything that was happening in the movie, but I liked the effects. I liked. I liked the music. I liked the music. I liked the, the cinematography of it. Like, there was, like, elements of the production that impressed me. But, the re- like, the plot is just garbage. So, every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? No. No, not no, a goddamn <laughs> chance I'm not going to watch this again. Even if it was like a midnight showing at the music box, I don't think like there's yeah, not enough like fun things that happen in this movie yeah, to make it worthwhile. Fun, like or even fun to make fun of. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that happens happens multiple times, like people being in the chair and looking at the the the, bleep the images, bleep yeah, the bleep loops and whatnot. Like that's it's not. I don't know. It's not great. Someone's gonna be like, "This is my favorite movie. How dare you?" Yeah. Um, and let me give you 900 reasons why I like it. Well, okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I would consider watching the re-edited director's cut. How about that? So just, if, if someone's yeah. favorite movie is this and you know about the 2017 recut version, you know how to find it, I'll leave watch a the extra we'll whatever 20 minutes. Yeah, we'll see what, I, don't know, I'll, what I would just want to fast forward to the just tell me what it is. Yeah, tell me what the new stuff if it's is. And him, we'll fast to. If it's the doctor testing on that guy's brain and finding something, that's what I want to see. But if it's just him, like. being creepy to someone? Carrying the ice cream up an extra flight of stairs, then no, thank you. So, if you out there want to watch Brain Twisters, as of this recording in June 2023, it's available on VHS or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 movie at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991 Movie for the full list of movies on the show notes and more. We will see you then. Thanks.